Welcome to Stargate SG-1 for the first time. Still, not a Star Trek podcast. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I'm watching Stargate SG-1 for the first time. And I'm Brent Allen, and I'm watching Stargate SG-1 for the 47th time. Jeff and I are two veteran Star Trek podcasters who joined forces some time ago to bring you Babylon 5 for the first time. We had so much fun doing that. We said, let's do it again with a show that so many of you out there said, please do this show. We're giving SG-1 that first time treatment. We'll talk about what that means here in a second. For me, this is literally my first time. So you get to join me and relive your first time viewing experience as I watch it. And even though I have seen this show 47 times, for the first time, I am going through Stargate SG-1 looking for all those things that the show is trying to teach us. You know, those lessons that hold up a mirror to society, give us hope that things might be better in the future, or just tell us how to be better human beings to one another. And since this is still not a Star Trek podcast, we're going to bring over one of our favorite games that we started on Babylon 5 for the first time. And that's the Rule of Three. The rule of three limits us to three references to Star Trek. That's it. Three. One of those three. No substitutions, exchanges, or <laughs> And when we make one of those references, you're going to hear everybody's favorite sound. But, you know, there's also the possibility, nay, the probability of us making Babylon 5 references from time to time. Since, you know, Jeff, that's really kind of our current jam. And if we do that, you're going to hear. Oh, yes. All right, we're watching The Knox. Let's uh, let's get into this one. If I remember right, I thought this is going to be, they're going to go to this planet. The Knox are going to be an alien species. We're going to get another alien species. There's going to be like the camp over here that are the misplaced humans, the camp over here that are the Knox, and there's like this Cold War thing. And SG-1's going to go in and try and figure out, like, are they enemies or will they be allies? Are they enemies or allies? Okay. All right, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see in just in just a moment. Hey, uh, this is the eighth episode of season one. The original air date, August 29th, 1997. A few notes about this episode. Um, Jeff, there is a new alien word that I would like to point out. A word, okay. A word, a new alien word. You're going to hear this for the very first time in this episode. It is a word you're going to hear quite a bit. And so I just want you to be familiar with it. And I like it. I'm just pointing out that this it honestly is the first time that we hear this word in the show. The word is Sholva. 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 Take a guess. What do you think Sholva means? It's like, a, it's probably like a, like a patak. A, cl- a close. It, it's the gold word for traitor. Oh, traitor. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's deeper. So, I mean, not quite, not quite the same umph as patah but it is that same it's in that vein for sure okay uh jeff i have a question did you ever see the movie fanboys i don't think so okay so this was a movie i'm 98 sure i'm thinking of the right movie this was a movie that came out right around the time of star wars episode one mm-hmm. and like a friend like is this group of guys their friend was gonna die from like cancer and uh they were expecting him to pass away before episode one got released so they go on this like cross country trip to the Skywalker Ranch, George Lucas and Skywalker Ranch, try to sneak in and see the film. Okay. For their friend who's like about to die. And along the way, they meet lots of other nerds. Like there's this there's great Seth Rogen plays a Trekkie uh, who just, I mean, it is, it is 
awful what they do to Trekkies in this in this movie. But uh, there is a clip from Stargate SG One that is in that film, and it's from this episode. Okay, cool, very cool. Anyway, um, one of the things that we are going to like about this show, Jeff, and we're going to do it. We haven't done it yet. This is another first in this episode is pointing out all the Star Trek actor crossovers. Ooh, okay. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily the one-offs, okay? I'm talking about series regulars, maybe recurring roles within the Star Trek world. And like I said, this episode marks the first of such appearances. I'm not going to tell you who, what, when, or how much this person is going to show up in this episode. I'm just interested to see if you catch it. My guess is you're going to catch it in about 3.4 seconds. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot mm, of pressure. That's actually a lot of time. I my, it might actually be more 0.34 seconds. Okay. Okay. It's possible. Possible. Just know everyone. Just ex- just expect to be let down. Just. <laughs> <laughs> and if not, I'm just going to be sitting here going. <laughs> All right, Jeff, uh, let's go ahead and jump into this episode today. Hey, just a reminder for those of you uh, on the audio world out there, if you're just joining us for the first time, the way this works is Jeff and I are going to watch this episode for the first time right now. Like, we're going to go watch this episode. We're going to break and watch the episode. And if you're joining us on YouTube, you're actually going to get the cool, like, reaction video. We're going to do this as a reaction video, and you're going to catch that right now. If you'd like to see the full unedited reaction, head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Babylon five first. That's our main channel right now. Uh, you guys can uh, check out some of the cool behind the scenes on that. So for our audio listeners, if you're on a podcasting app, like good pods or Apple podcasts, Spotify, any of those, we're going to skip this whole next part. So you're going to join us after we've watched the episode, make sure that you stick around through the little break, because then I'm going to do the podcast thing, right? I'm going to talk about my first experience, my impressions, my thoughts, things like that. And Brent is going to share any of the sci-fi messages that he was able to uh, extract from this one. So uh, let's get into the knocks. Let's do it. Chevron 7 locked. All right, Jeff. That was the Knox. Uh, you said it'd be an alien people that they're trying to go out and talk to and understand and technologies and all that. Uh, what'd you think of this episode? This was a good episode, right? It was a hard episode because it was just, I mean, it was, it was, it was fun. Uh, I, I enjoyed watching it, but it, we talked about this as we were watching it, but it's just, there were these two groups of people that had all of the answers between them, but refused refused to step out of their own worlds for a second and communicate in any way. And it got really frustrating at some point, you know, it's just, you need to go. Well, we need to stay here and protect you. No, you need to go. No, we need to stay here and protect you. Bah, 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 bah. And it just kept going and going. And then, and then because they couldn't communicate, Brent, they, they kill the kid, right? They kill the kid. Wow. That's gutsy, right? Yeah. Eighth episode in to kill a kid. I can only think of one other series that would do something like that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Except he came back in this one. Exactly. You know, he didn't end the episode dead. And it wasn't from some, super, well, it was for superiority complex, but. I really enjoyed some of Jack's leadership in this episode. There was a moment, and we talked about it again during the, the, the viewing itself, but 
the mission parameters change, right? So they get there, Stargate disappears, all their gear disappears, and they see Apophis. And so they have like this, what are we going to do? And everybody's like, we go after Apophis. But Jack's like, mm, that's, that, that, Daniel, what do you think here? Sam, what are you thinking here? And then mm, the question I loved so much, Tilk, this dude was a god to you. Are you going to be good, you know, going going one-to-one? And what I it was just so beautiful. They set up their attack, and they go in, they they ambush him, and they just get rocked. I mean, they seconds, and they're getting blasted. They are so out of their league fighting these Jaffa. And Tilk's left standing, and uh, Apophis tries, right? You know, come back. Come back to us. And, oh, man, Tilk, he just looks at him, and he's just like, I'm going to die free. Mm-hmm. ready to go and he he stood to it and like i really liked tilk up to this point but here it's just like this like he's my favorite guy he's my favorite character right at this point right now tilk is awesome sure i liked i liked that they found i liked that it was aliens right mm-hmm. i had i had an impression early in the series that it was just going to be humans the diaspora of humans out throughout you know the the galaxy sort of thing, and everybody was going to speak English, and the alienness we'd have would be the cultures that formed, you know, amongst the 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 people that were there. But no, we got aliens last week, we got aliens this week. Still a really cool like way to work around getting them to speak English. You know, it's yeah, we learned it. Okay, cool, whatever. <sighs> Hand wave that works. Yeah, I really felt like the knocks in this episode. They reminded me of a group in the Wheel of Time book series called the Tuatha An or the Tinkers, and they follow the way of the leaf. The way of the leaf is you just go the way the wind blows you, you know? You don't fight back, you just go with it. And they die and get slaughtered a lot, but they are one of the like longest continuous groups of people in the in, in this series of books because they keep they keep going. And I feel like that's a lot of what the Nox were. And they have like this philosophy, you know, of like we don't kill, we don't harm others. And uh, Antaeus, 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 Antaeus. Not Amadeus. Right. Antaeus. <laughs> Antaeus. But he said, uh, talking about uh, the little kid that ended up dying, Jack was showing him the bow and arrow and the stuff. And Antaeus asked him, what were you doing? He's like, well, I was trying to you know, protect him. He's like, you were trying to protect his body after poisoning his mind. Yeah. Oh, oh. So good. So good. Yeah. Armin Shimmerman, right? I mean, holy crud. There's our there's our our guy in this. And he was awesome. He, Armin, he's good in everything he does. Yeah. And uh and this was fun. It was a different role for him, a lot more, you know, re- reserved and kind of quiet, but he had that that confidence of someone who's four hundred and thirty two years old, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Really enjoyed him in this. Jeff, I don't, I don't know if you caught that particular moment. It, it wasn't Antaeus who said that; it was the other guy, Ofer. Yeah, the, the most elder, the more most eldest guy. But like, like what I loved is he's like, so how old are you? And he goes, well, how do you measure time? And he goes, well, one revolution is twenty four hours, and it's three hundred sixty five days in a year. And and then he immediately goes, well, then by your counting, I'm four hundred thirty two. Like math went that fast for us. Boom. <laughs> like he tracked with a okay four thirty two. That's how old I am. There was a real um, good guys versus bad guys thing. What's good? What's bad? I like the way the Knox were like, you know, Jack's like, they're the bad guys. They're bad. And then the the girl was like, yeah, but you attacked them. 
Like, what is good? What is bad? Ah, uh, what else was in there? I liked. I talked about it in there. I liked the shield. Apophis has this energy shield thing, and now apparently can disappear. The energy shield, inspired very much by Dune, the slow blade will penetrate the shield. You know, it's a uh, kind of a velocity thing. It's a non Newtonian fluid kind of a shield. Mm-hmm. But he was able to disappear at the end. He was able to use that technology that the Nox use. And so, my question in the ongoing of Stargate is, is that now technology the Gould have? So, Jeff, I just can't believe you, man. You're awful. I just, how could you be so dumb on your first watch to not understand exactly what happened? Am I not doing this right? You're not doing this right. I figured. You're so dumb. I can't, I just, I mean, it was so obvious. Clearly. I I actually wrote this down because I... (laughs) Uh, hey, for for those of you out there who may not know, I'm I'm not actually making fun of Jeff. I'm making I'm not making fun of anyone. Um, making fun of a situation. Yes, yes. Uh, so Jeff, you know how there's this thing where uh, when you've seen a show so many times, the obvious is really obvious, and you become a little incredulous that other people don't pick up on it because it's just so well obvious. But then if you actually are watching it with somebody for the first time, they may not actually understand it in that same way. But they go back and watch it again on the big, oh, yeah, how could I have not understood that? This is one of those examples. Okay. Uh, Apophis did not pick up the technology of how to disappear. When he disappeared, it was because Antaeus and the other people had finished the deal with Nefreu, and they disappeared Apophis. They protected Apophis, and he goes, no, what are you doing? They're going to come back and kill you. Because Jack understood in that moment that it was it was the Nox who, who disappeared. Like, Apophis, Apophis got Noxed. You got knocked. So, yeah. So, the the ghoul do not have that technology. They don't know how that works. Okay. That makes so much sense. I mean, it, it does. It makes a lot of sense. Because my, my thought watching it was, it was it was out of nowhere, right? That arrow's flying, and you and I were on the same page of, like, an arrow shouldn't be able to penetrate this. And so, I halfway expected it to bonk, bounce off the shield. But there's a second that it goes through. Now, if you if you threw it like a javelin, then it could go through. But not not off an arrow. Yeah, yeah, not come off a bow. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Before we gate into the rest of this episode, did you know you're missing most of the content from this podcast? Stargate SG-1 for the first time has an active and exciting Patreon that you can join right now by clicking the link in the show notes. Not only will you get access to the full, unedited podcast and reaction videos, you'll also be able to join a growing, vibrant, maybe even an intergalactic community. Subscribers even get access to all of our content from Babylon 5 for the first time. Don't miss out on this content and the amazing people. Just click the link in the show notes. Tilk thinks you should do it right now. Indeed. There, there's a like a split second where it penetrates the shield and like in my head I'm like oh my god it's gonna work and then whoosh, he disappears but he had like his hands up and was doing stuff and so in my head I was like oh my god he was whoosh, he did the thing and oh no because I mean Gould get that technology it's game over you you can't you can't fight that you know so yeah but no, I thought I, I I really enjoyed this episode and I and I think I'm looking forward to this next piece right here because uh, 
I think there was some pretty cool stuff in this episode from a sci-fi messages standpoint. Um, but real quick, before we, before we dive into that, we did not get any for crying out louds. We did not. But to bring everyone uh, up to speed, we did get a new thing we're tracking. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jackson has now died for the first time. So we're, that's a new thing we're tracking. Da- Daniel likes to die. And, and just just for, for people wondering, uh, Jeff, the way we're going to count this, okay, is when Michael Shanks, who is playing Daniel Jackson or some version of Daniel Jackson, Mm-hmm. Okay. Dies on when when you are led. Let's put it this way: when you are led to believe that Daniel Jackson is dead on screen, not some off-screen thing. Like okay, when okay. you see him die on screen, <laughs> Michael Shanks has a lot of death scenes. Let's just put it that way. They're like, you're good at this. We're let's do this a bunch. There's actually, I'm I'm thinking off the top of my head. There are a few other Michael Shanks non-Daniel Jackson death scenes in the show as well, which is just. Maybe we should just change it to Michael Shanks death scenes. Yeah, that'd be fun. That might actually, that's what we're going to do. This is, this is no longer just Daniel Jackson. This is Michael Shanks death scenes. Awesome. Cause as, as sci-fi goes, you know, sometimes characters uh, do other stuff. They get taken over, they, whatever, you know, all kinds of things. Anything can happen. It's one of the cool things about sci-fi. Another cool thing about sci-fi is the way it can package messages for the viewer, Brent, what did you get out of this one? <laughs> that is a pro- professional transition there, Jeff. Right. Thanks. That's, yeah. a, that's a segue that you couldn't write any better. JMS couldn't write that one better. <laughs> uh, hey, Jeff, listen, um, I've had a complaint for the last couple of weeks about some of these Stargate things. Really? Okay. It's that, and not every week, but but it's been more than once now. Specifically, I'm thinking of Emancipation and the First Commandment, where they'll present a, a problem but never discuss it and just leave it there. That's not what happened here. This episode could be a Star Trek episode. 100%. You know, like it, you could you could pluck this out, put Captain Kirk as the landing party or Riker or I mean any of those guys and Captain Pike, but it, I mean that's probably more Captain Pike type type of situation. Anyway, um but they they put it in they showed you both sides because you certainly could understand the the dilemma that SG1 felt. Yeah. We've brought them here because you guys have done this thing for us and and Shackles now here they're going to go back and tell Apophis. Apophis is going to come and just obliterate. He's not even going to just go away. He's going to come obliterate everything if he can't figure out who you are. This is our fault and Daniel Jackson says it at some point because we've done this, we now feel obliged to help you. But then you hear the knocks go, we don't need your help. We don't need your help. Jeff, let me ask you a question as a first-time viewer. Because in my head, I always know, yeah, they got that city and they can do the invisibility thing. And they've got other ways of doing stuff. It's fine. At what point did you did you ever really understand that the knocks can actually take care of themselves even against the ghoul? Immediately, I had the impression that they were going to be okay, but I didn't really understand how. Okay, I, I don't think that they, when he says you have to go... It wasn't that um, naive, ignorant, you know, like the the native tribe that's you know been hidden forever saying, oh, just leave. We, we're fine. He clearly had that confidence of we're good. Just go. And then the second you found out that they were the ones with the, dis- the invisibility technology, it, oh, yeah, they're good. I mean, worst case, they just disappear. 
they lose their little village. Like that's their worst case scenario. And even if they disappear, because apparently they're phasing out because you can shoot through wherever they, it's not like you just disappear, but you're still solid and we can do stuff to you. You just go to a different plane of existence or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Kevin Bacon, hollow man kind of a thing. It's yeah. Whole different thing. And, and very clearly the Knox are a much older race. They have technology that is well beyond that of earth, well beyond that of the Gould. And it has made them effectively pacifists, Mm -hmm. but they can still defend themselves and not defend. Meaning we can fight back against anybody who's fighting us. We can, we can go through it. So a, a couple of lines, probably the biggest one is the very young do not always do as they're told. And even Jack says at the very end, that's something worth taking home. Yep. In case you didn't know what the message was going to be, let me slap you over the head with it. The very young do not always do as they're told. Fighting is not the only way to deal with enemies. It, it, talk about holding up a mirror to society. Just this, well, you poor people, we've got to come and rescue you and take care of you. You don't really know the danger that is out there. Now, here's the thing. It's possible they were right, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, by all accounts... Jack and the team were like, no, no, these guys are going to obliterate you. They're going to bring fire and you guys will burn because you don't have water. Right. And what really stood out to me, and I never really thought about this before, was honestly, if Antaeus just said, Antaeus didn't even need to show Jack the city up in the sky. No. If he would have just been like, hey, listen, what?" like, you know what he did? You know, the first time that all of this broke through was it was at the end kind of in the climax piece and Antaeus finally went what are you so afraid of yes Antaeus asked a question and he's like what's going on with you he's like do you we're we're gonna be okay because of xyz and he and Antaeus started communicating not just demanding Mm -hmm. as as let's just call it as he is the superior race in this the superior uh technology you know he it's kind of on him to not be this haughty snooty everything that we thought jack and the team were being towards them they were actually being towards jack and the team yeah and when they stopped doing that they suddenly could communicate and all of a sudden were friends however the downside of that and jackson figured this out they're going to bury the stargate now you know and they're not worried about about apophis coming back and shooting them down from space like they'll be fine but what this also means is is Hey, if we would have listened, we could have left, but we also could have come back and developed a relationship and been friends, but they're going to bury the Stargate and we can't do that now. We've lost out on the opportunity because we didn't listen. Mm -hmm. Uh, The very young do not always do as they're told. You know what really jumped out to me though is, uh, and this, this kind of, this is a direct tie into where we are in Babylon five, Jeff. Um, So Nefreya was talking to, I think it was Jack and he's like, why do you want to fight him? And Jack goes, I don't want to fight him. And Nefreya goes, don't. And Jack's like, well, I have, I have to, I have to. And he's like, no, you actually, you don't. Uh, Jeff, that was the conclusion that Sheridan, spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't watched Babylon 5. That's the conclusion that Sheridan came to with the shadows and the Vorlons. It's how they won, right? They won by not fighting. We're going to win by pulling back. I'm not even going to fight you. you. You can't fight me because I'm not fighting back. It's not a fight because I'm not engaging in this anymore. Go away. I refuse. I refuse to take part of this anymore. And they won. Like, yeah, it's like, do you know you don't actually have to fight? There are ways around this. Now, you and I also both know that there are times in life when people when when somebody has to has to 
be taken care of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there is a, there is a time in real life for, for, for fisticuffs when you have to use your muscle, at least as far as I, or maybe I'm just not that enlightened yet, Jeff. Well, you know, it, it really strikes me, you know, my, uh, my daughter and I, uh, she more than me, I do it part-time, but we train in Aikido. Aikido is a martial art, Japanese martial art, and it's really based on avoiding the fight. So you learn various arts. Like if you take Taekwondo or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or, you know, it's about strikes and joint locks and it's about hurting and, you know, putting your opponent into submission. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Aikido is about, it's similar to judo in that it uses your opponent's momentum, but it's not to hurt them. It's basically to neutralize them. You put them on the ground and then there's a concept we follow called ma'ai and ma'ai is space. So you come and swing at me. I learn an art to use your arm and take you down to the ground. And then I back away. Hey, no, no, this, no, that's not going to happen. I got you. You're not going to hit me. I protect myself, but I put you on the ground. I don't try and hurt you. I take care of you and I create my eye. And if you come back at me, I do it again. Yeah. Right. And then eventually I just create more and more of my eye until I take off. But even in that, like we talk about, um, that need, you get to a point where you're like, all right, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to strike, you know? And so they, they, because learn. you won't stop. It's not, yeah, there's no escape. There's nowhere for you to run to. And this person's not stopping, but that's like last resort. My, it actually reminds me of something that happened with my son two summers ago. I think, uh, he was in summer camp at one of the, the kind of like y, YMCA type situation. I get a phone call. He'd been in a fight. Mm. All right. Now you gotta understand my son at nine years old is a second degree black belt. Here in like another year or so, he's going to get his third degree. Like the kid, the kid can handle himself. The kid's also huge. It's not a small, small average nine, nine or one, no, you know, whatever. No, the, he is. Yeah, the kid no. is huge. The kid can handle himself. And he is, he, he, you know what I've learned about as I've been around people who are of advanced ranks in, in martial arts, you'd never know by just looking at him on the street. You'd never know. And my kid's one of those. He's, he's in this deal. And I'm like, oh, geez, he got into a fight. Okay, what's going on? I got in there and I found out and we're talking. And basically what happened was this kid started attacking him. And he took the kid and basically kind of what you're talking. He put him down on the ground. I mean, he and the kid freaked out and started crying. But he, he just put him down on the ground. He didn't hurt him, didn't punch, didn't kick. Him, but he neutralized him, yep. used his techniques and just sort of was like, no, you're not doing this right now. Like my kid could have ripped this dude a new one, but he didn't. He showed restraint. And I, I looked at the camp director. I was like, what do you want from him? Your camp guys weren't doing their job. I'm not getting him in trouble and he shouldn't be in trouble here. Yeah. He's like, yeah, but you know, it just, we have to kind of for everybody involved. I'm like, I understand that, but we're not, I'm not accepting any marks against him. Like if anything, he showed restraint and protection of his personal self, which is his individual human right to protect his own body. <laughs> he wasn't even jumping in to save somebody else. He's just protecting himself. Like, yeah. Anyway. It does remind me of this, though, though, talking about just deciding not to fight. Perhaps two of the greatest movements in history that affected the most change ever were nonviolent movements. I'm thinking specifically of the movement with Gandhi in India and the movement with Dr. Martin Luther King right here in our own home country. There you go. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, nonviolent movements, and it won. It won. And then there was, there was this just, I mean, gosh, the discussion on this was great. 
Jack goes, hey, aren't you afraid of these people? And he goes, we're not afraid. Well, get afraid because fear makes you do some stupid stuff sometimes. Sure does. Sure does. But again, I mean, Jeff, this just could have been its own. It could it, you pop this in any. This is why sci-fi is so great. Yeah. This is why we do Babylon 5 for the first time. This is why we're doing Stargate SG-1 for the first time, because sci-fi can take on these messages in a way that other genres can't. You're not going to see this in a court procedural drama. You're not going to see this in an ER episode. Mm-mm. You know, you're not going to see this in NCIS or in some Western film show or something like you're just not going to see this. Ultimately, what is the what is the message? Uh, your way is not the only way. Yeah. Oh. And you need to respect that. Jeff, this is uh, this is as, as high as you can get. This is a five Chevron episode all the way through. And I got to be honest with you, when we first started talking about this and we started going and I, you know, I was kind of going, OK, so you'll do the first time reaction. I'll do the hey, let's look for the message and we'll kind of see it because I couldn't obviously watch this for the first time again. And I'm starting, yeah, but is Stargate really? And my my first hit always went to the knocks. I'm like, well, yeah, there's that episode. And, oh, yeah, then there's that other episode. And, oh, yeah, there's that other episode. Okay. But the knocks was always, this was always the first one my mind went to, was the young do not always do what they're told. And then uh, just that whole thing, your way is not the only way. That I mean, one of the things that uh, I practice, and it, I, I don't know if it makes me a better person or not, but it definitely keeps my... Uh, my anger levels and frustration levels at a lower point than many other people are at this time is I actively invite dissenting opinions, right? So when people see something, you know, whether it's a social issue, an economic issue, political, whatever, Hey, you don't feel the way I do about it. Hey, I'm not, I don't want to argue with you. I want to understand. I want to hear that and understand because I have my way and it's right. I mean, of course it's the right way, (laughs) right? But actually maybe it's not, you know, and, I have changed my mind on things before where it's like, oh, that is a very compelling argument. You've presented a lot of stuff. I reflect and say, well, maybe that is right. And if we could just do that, right? I'm not saying we go and change our minds, but if we could seek to understand instead of fight to be right, sure be a whole lot cooler to live here. Well, speaking of whole lot cooler, hey, Jeff, uh, I give this five chevrons. You, my friend, have the op- have the responsibility of slotting this one into our ranking of the episodes. Now, our current ranking stands at this. We have Cold Lazarus at number one. We have The Broken Divide at number two, Children of the Gods, Enemy Within, First Commandment, and Emancipation. Jeff, where are you going to place this episode, The Knox? The question I'm asking myself is, did I enjoy this episode and its message enough to move past the lasting impact of another episode that like I am still reeling from after we watched it. And the answer is yes, this is our new number one. This is a awesome episode had Armin Shimmerman. It was fun. It was deep. It was challenging. It was really well put together and it had thing. We didn't, I didn't talk about it all, but just had these really subtle little kind of jokes, you know, throughout it. It kind of kept things. It just, it was just really well done. Exactly. There was there was some lightness to it. It wasn't soup like Cold Lazarus had no jokes whatsoever. It was a heavy episode. This this episode had some and it does it in a way that honestly Stargate does so well. Yeah. Not a lot of other sci-fi does humor 
the way Star Stargate does. Yeah, most of them should <laughs> never. Yeah, just stop trying to do humor. Yeah, I, Jeff, I don't know if you noticed or not. I actually already slotted it in at number one before we ever started. Recording. Oh, so I just because I knew that's where it was going to wind up. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's going to do it for the Knox. Uh, next time, the episode we are watching, the title is Brief Candle. Do you care to venture a guess as to what that episode could be about? So candle sometimes is uh, a measurement of something. I'm thinking of air or something like that. So often, it's definitely time. It's a measure of time often. But I, what I'm imagining is they're going to go to planet P4763 Alpha Bravo, whatever you know, name that rolls off the tongue. Well, they, they don't use military terms for letters. No? No. They, no. no. Well, it's like when, when they're trying to do a military thing, but normally it's just the letter. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad. They're going to be exploring and somebody, I'm going to guess Daniel, is going to get trapped in a cave or fall into a pit or some something and the air supply is going to be an issue where we have to get to him. He's going to run out of air. He has a brief candle in which we can save him. You're a good guesser, Jeff. <laughs> You're very kind. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, we will see next time here on Stargate SG-1 for the first time. Hey, everybody out there, thank you so much for joining us. And please remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a rating and review. Uh, Apple Apple Podcasts is, is the primary place, but if they do it, uh, Audible. You can do it on Audible if you're listening to us there. Uh, where else leaves? Pod Chaser lets you leave reviews. Good Pods. Good Pods lets you leave reviews. Uh, so if you could leave us a, a rating and review, we would love uh, to be able to hear that. And please be sure to share this podcast with someone out there who loves Stargate SG-1 or maybe somebody who needs to fall in love with the show for the very first time. So until next time, we're going to get hey, out of here. Hey, Brent. Hey, Jeff. What's up? Will you stop? Doing that? Oh, for crying out loud. 